0: I invite you to enter this portal of strange and unimaginable. I simply ask that you suspend your judgment and expand your mind in the vastness of the unknown. Come witness the wonder that is our reality. The truth is out there, and so am I. Wife of a Demon Hunter Extraordinary Tales of All Things Paranormal. Hello, my name is Dorinda Stewart, and I am the Wife of a Demon Hunter. Thanks for joining me on my very first podcast. I thought I probably should tell you a little bit about myself. I am a psychic medium, which means I'm sensitive and intuitive enough to hear, feel, and see information coming from the other side. I'm a Reiki master. Reiki is an energy healing technique that uses gentle hand movements to guide the flow of healthy energy through the body to reduce stress and promote healing. I use psychometry to discover facts about events, or persons by touching objects, seeing photos, talking with someone, or anything or anyone associated with them. I do past life hypnosis in order to recover memories from previous lives to help heal related traumas. Spoiler alert! There will be some talk of demons in this next episode, so strap yourself in, turn off the lights, light a candle, and enjoy the ride. Behold the predator of humankind, an abomination, a mockery of human form. It is a mixture of beast and human, and in defiance to beauty. It lacks symmetry, which gives way to twisted features hideous to witness. Its nature is beastly, lacking respect for life, quickly resorting to killing, even on a whim. It smells of rotting flesh and feces, which often cakes its body. Hidden in this mockery to the human race, There resides a sharp intellect with evil designs on humankind. Its voice gives hope and promise of grand future that never comes. It nurtures and isolates one from their own kind as they are slowly invaded by this alien mind. Questing for humanity's body, mind, and soul. Its primary defense is anonymity, dependent on our disbelief. Its name is Demon. Well, hello. Today's guest is... Joseph C. Stewart, the author and my husband of Demons A Secular Look. Hi, Joe. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thanks for being
1: here. Um, the first question that people want to ask is what is a demon? Well, in the book, I do go quite extensively describing the demon's characteristics and behaviors, but the short of it is, I would say it's mostly an intangible non-human entity driven by egomania, extreme arrogance, and Machiavellian behavior.
0: How did you become a demon hunter? Uh,
1: It was accidental. I was basically a ghost hunter for about four decades and I had a friend that I was helping out and through that friend, I accidentally got introduced to demonic and uh, from there, uh, trying to figure out how to help him out and I started studying the subject, working with demons and it kind of just took off from there. Interesting.
0: Do you need fancy equipment to find demons, like a demon catching device or anything like that? How do you catch demons?
1: Well, I, I do a, a process called a binding, where by knowing the demon's name, I can bind it to an inanimate object, like the genie in the bottle. As far as detecting demons, there's a variety of things. I do use psychics in the field, uh, you being one of them, that's uh, very tuned into uh, the demonic. Uh, there's really no equipment required. Uh, I do use a EMF detector because they do give off uh, uh, um, electromagnetic fields. So that kind of helps me confirm uh, uh, what's out there. And it's a little bit n- uh, more than a background uh, that you normally would get if you were going through the house, it is a little higher and it's very consistent throughout the house. So that, that's kind of an indicator.
0: Well, when you deal with ghosts, sometimes there's like an energy field. I know that I can kind of pick up a different energy when a demon is present. So you don't really need a lot of equipment. You just kind of need your instincts.
1: Yeah, uh, and experience, and experience. But, you know, having a psychic in the field, especially somebody that's tuned to the demon, makes it uh, a lot easier to identify what's going on. And uh, they're more... Uh, abundant than people think that they are. They're not rare as people think they are. Unfortunately, yeah, that's true. Do you think
0: demons cause mental illness?
1: In the sense of what they, when they uh, oppress, or I like to use the word harass an individual, uh, they break down the will in that. So yeah, they could uh, create uh, mental disorders through that process of breaking a person down so that they can uh, possess them. So they don't cause it, but they could exasperate it or do you think they cause it? They, they, in the sense that I'm talking about, they're not, or I'm sorry, they are causing it because it's their process of harassment, you know, strange phenomena that would freak you out, uh, sleep deprivation. So that's gonna create mental problems. But if they have an existing uh, disorder, which their uh, functionality of the the brain isn't up to uh, par, uh, that would exasperate and feed on that. Yeah, That okay. would in that case.
0: Is it wise to bring home demon souveni- souvenirs from a demon hunt um, to get it out of circulation? And a lot of people like to collect things, I know, as far as ghost hunters. Is that true with demon hunters too, that you should or shouldn't collect things?
1: Well, if you mean souvenirs, as far as anything related to a demonic case, like something a dem- demon possesses or uh, like, you know, like Annabelle in the, uh, with the Warrens, uh, with the Raggedy Ann doll. Uh, no, it's not a good idea to do that at all.
0: Now your book is called Demons A Secular Look. Does this mean that demons are not
1: religious? What the book means is that this is a modern view of the demonic and looking at the demonic through a secular view. Without the religion, because with the different religions, um, there is a dogma associated with that, and that limits what you can, uh, what you can see and what you can learn. It puts, uh, uh, you know, boundaries around you which you don't need. Uh, you need to be open to be able to look at, at all avenues. And then again, you have demons that are in every culture, that's in every religion. They have different names in that. And uh, and you have it in the, the cultures of the uh, today where there's you know basically non-religious uh, individuals and they attack them as well. So you cannot um, restrict yourself to a religious view, and so it's more like an update of about six hundred years of uh, demons. Ah, interesting. Demon knowledge.
0: <clears throat> so in your book, you created a different way of expelling demons other than uh, an exorcism. Does that mean? exorcisms don't work?
1: Well, exorcisms work in a sense. um, They are correct in in the understanding that you need the demon's name to be able to get total control of them. The trouble is, is that when you do an exorcism, a lot of times they expel the demon into the ether if you want, and it can come back, you know, and it does come back or other things will come in, you know, along with it. Uh, My method, the demon is bound. And so it's, it's totally taken out of circulation and it will not come back. And another example, if see a priest condemns a demon to hell, sends him back to hell. Well, hell's an abstract idea and it's not in all the different cultures in that. And you're dealing with a demon, they're very literal. So what you have to do is be very specific like I am. So I bind them to a specific thing that you can physically see. This is where you're going. This is what's gonna to happen to you. And that's successful. The other way, it works briefly, but it, it, you know, in total, it, it doesn't work. It fails to get rid of them permanently. In the book, you talk about
0: jinn. Are jinn and demons the same or are they two different entities?
1: Uh, jinn and demons are the same. I go through the book, making the argument for it. and uh, they're basically, I mean, the, the, the uh, Muslim and the uh, Christian, Judeo, they're all from the same religion base. And so, yeah, they're, the, they're exactly the same. So the binding is sort of like a genie in the bottle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. What's the most interesting thing you've seen or
1: you've discovered about demons? That they're very common, that they're all around us. They're not in some special place, and then, you know, you call them in, and other than that, they're not around. They're always around, and they're looking for opportunity. They prey on us. That was the biggest uh, realization. Yeah, that they're everywhere. They're Mm -hmm. everywhere and waiting for any opportunity.
0: What would you tell someone who wants to become a demon hunter?
1: Well, I would try and discourage them because they really don't know what they're getting into, and... uh, I try to show them the, the bad part of it so they they know what they're dealing with and it's it's something that if you're not careful, uh, just you know it's like where you go do a haunted house with a ghost and a ghost is locked into that position, you know you pretty much don't bring anything home. but if you got something like a demonic, you can bring that home and then make your life a living hell. So um, that's what I would say about that. So is possession as common as what people think? Well, it's it's not what people think. Most people through Hollywood and that and books think that possession is the demon totally takes over the body and the soul and the person ceased to exist and that's not it at all. Actually, it's it's outside of the body and it's a, kind of a telepathic connection. And they learn to take total control of your will and that it makes them easy because they don't have any control in a tangible world. And they have to have a person to be able to do the things that they want to do. So they make them like a puppet and then they can kind of like shut them off and kind of manipulate the body and do what they need to do. And to depending upon the extent of it, a person could be totally uh, unaware of it. Just They just have missing time and then, you know, then they're wink again and they're not sure what happened. Almost like a, a multiple personality type scenario, which by the way, that's what the uh, psychiatrists say that uh, – uh, possession is, it's, it's a form of uh, DID, what used to be known as multiple personalities. And isn't what the church stands
0: with too, as far as exorcisms, if they feel that you have some sort of mental illness, they don't usually recommend an exorcism, they recommend a psychiatrist?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they their attitude is that if, if you have a dis, that, uh, see in the old days, the, a lot of the, like dis, um, like a lot of the disorders that people had, like epilepsy and that kind of stuff, they associated it with a demonic and now they got a medical explanation for it and they know it's not demonic. So they kind of take a that and applies it to everything. So if a person does have a disorder, then they're not suffering from you know, a demonic attack. But that's not true. In reality, demons look for people like that because they're easy to get into. It's easy to um, influence them. And uh, so, yeah, you can have a person that has a particular disorder, like uh, bipolar disorder and that, and uh, they very well do have demons involved. So, yeah, that tactic that they take there, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not correct.
0: What, what do you do to protect yourself when you go out and you're dealing with demons?
1: Um... Basically, I mean, I used to wear all kinds of symbols and protection things. And in reality, um, it were actually causing me more problems than helping. I was getting attacked more. We're using a variety of different symbols. And uh, when I I go out, just being aware where they are and then uh, when I put my protection circle up when I do the bindings, and I do the bindings uh, as quickly as I can because I'm opening up to demonic attacks. So, uh, and being very specific as uh, what I'm doing. Uh, if there's other demons in an area, usually they vacate as soon as they start binding demons. You know, they they leave. So, uh, it's more or less that because what I'm doing is I'm, actually, I'm summoning demons to myself and then taking them taking them out. So. Um, it's the speed and uh, having their names, and it gives me control over, over them. But as far as personal protection, it's, uh, um, I, I have found that uh, most of your listeners are probably familiar with the eye of And the eye of Horus, for some reason, is very old, but uh, the demonic uh, do not like it. It doesn't matter what your religion is, they, they seem to fear the eye of Horus. So it works very well for that, too.
0: Well, in your book, um, we talked a lot about, you know, how we met and things like that. But one of the things that we had talked about in the book that you talked about in the book is the first time that I had my encounter with the
1: demons. Um, Can you kind of describe that a little bit? Are you talking about the Reiki session? The
0: Reiki session. Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, I was doing a uh, demonic case in uh, uh, Ann Arbor at that time. It was an older woman in her 80s. And uh, what had happened is uh, we uh, were doing an investigation to find out what she had there. And at that point, we weren't sure there was demonic involved. And I was doing uh, a reveal, playing recordings back of EVPs that I had acquired in the environment. And I was playing this one particular EVP. And when that happened, it summoned a demon to that room we were in. And it literally blew the door open, and the force knocked both me and the uh, elderly woman into a couch. It was almost like—it's hard to describe. It's almost like when you take and you take magnets, you know, like both north poles, and you get that resistance, you know, that weird feeling as they repel. It was kind of a force like that, and uh, so we were under attack. And there was another psychic in the room with us at the time. And she didn't get hit by it, but they were. it was using her to speak through. And so, you know, we knew that uh, it was a demonic attack and she was yelling at us to shut the recording off that it summoned the demon, which I did. And then the uh, we were able to dispel the demon from the room. And uh, so from that attack, I met up with you for dinner and was telling you about it, and you decided to do some Reiki just to see what kind of damage it was there. And so when you were, when I was here and you were doing uh, the Reiki, you realized, first of all, that my aura was very muddy, and you weren't understanding that. You hadn't had any yeah. experience in this at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then when you were probing, you got to my uh, abdomen, my organs, and you like, almost like, fell through me and fell and passed out to the floor and I got up and trying to revive you and all that kind of stuff and then you were telling me that you don't have any organs it's nothing but a black hole there's just nothing there you know and the energy was so draining it just sucked everything out of you causing you to pass out and that's when you started uh doing some different techniques which one was using vibrations with the tuning forks.
0: That's when I started panicking. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so yeah, I grabbed you, all the tools in my toolkit. You tool were kit. running
1: about and you put these stones on me uh that, on my solar plexus and that. And at first it was fine and then it was like it started the stones started getting really heavy and getting hot, hot to the touch. And I was waiting for you to come out cuz it was getting, you know, it was getting to the point I couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> And when you came out, and then I told you about it, and I remember you grabbed one of the stones and you dropped it because it was physically hot to hot. the touch. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: So you got the stones off me, and you started using the the um, tuning forks going over my body. And the lower frequencies, I didn't really feel much. And we started getting higher frequencies. It started feeling like you know, like static electricity, like lots of these ants running all over my body, you know. And uh, then um, when you got to the higher frequencies that's when you just kind of pause because all of a sudden all these scratches and bite marks appeared on my body where there wasn't any. (laughs) And then that really freaks you out. Yeah, exactly. Never seen that before. So you managed to get me back to where I uh, wasn't so muddy anymore and that you could see my organs again and got me balanced out and all those uh, scratches and bite marks they all you know dissipated uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, as soon as
0: they I mean it's almost as if they came they showed up and then went away just as fast. It wasn't
1: it wasn't very long after that that they went away. So, but during that period since you were physically directly connected to that energy, you during that session, you came up with a demon's name. Yeah, And that was the demon that was plaguing this lady that later on we used to bind it. It was a form of psychometry because, you know, people ask me,
0: how did you do that? And at first I couldn't really figure it out, but I feel that it was a form of psychometry that helped me get the names. And even today, the psychometry is what helps uh, me get the names. And the names are vitally important to what you do.
1: Right. Without the names, uh, can't do much of right. anything.
0: So... What does a person do to contact you? What would they need to do?
1: They can go out to uh, the website, uh, Society, all one word, Society of Demonologists with an S dot org, and they can uh, s- uh, send an email through that. Uh, and uh, we do have a phone number. Um, I don't have right now, but it's on the website that they can also uh, contact us through the phone. And we also have an address they can send stuff through if they wish to do it that way. And and know, also uh, Facebook. There's right. a, yeah. uh, was a Michigan Society of Demonologists. They can contact us there Through too. Through Facebook, yeah. yeah, and give us a little bit more information than just help, right?
0: Because help doesn't give us. A yeah, you gotta. To
1: go yeah. yeah, yeah. Just saying, I need help. You know, we need to because sometimes people think that they have demons and they really don't. And if they, the more information they can give us, the better we can help them. And if it really calls for it, and we're you know, think that, yeah, this is something that, uh, it definitely is demonic needs to be looked at. Then we usually arrange to have a phone call with that individual and then discuss it in detail. And then once we do that, and then it just, wherever it goes from there. Yeah. So Joe, do demons travel? Uh, yeah, they're not, uh, unlike ghosts, uh, you know, ghosts are usually locked into a, uh, to a location basically because they're very obsessive. So it could be an object, like a, say a makeup table for instance, or a piano, or a bed, um, or, or a house. A piece of
0: jewelry uh, or something. Yeah,
1: and on mm-hmm. occasion they can be locked into a, a person. And that would be the only time they would they particularly move. But demons not that, they're not locked into an environment at all. And so for, they yes, they can travel. It's more of I, I guess you could describe it like a teleportation because I don't know if you remember. We were, uh, I was reviewing with you a video that I had taken of a lady that was going under possession of a uh, an incubus, a sex demon mm-hmm. who attacks women. And as we brought it up and were watching it on the, the video, all of a sudden the lights were flickering and there was... Uh, Groups of three knocks on the roof, and by the way, the number three is the number for the demonic. So three groups of three were knocking on the ceiling, and this demon, by its local, its locale at that time, was 70 miles away, and it was instantaneous. As soon as it knew we were there, it was instantaneous. Yes. So it's almost like a. Along the lines like of, uh, people that are experienced with out of body travel, mm-hmm. astral travel, as we used to call it, all you have to do is think of a place and you're there. And that's how it is. I actually had an occasion where, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, we were working a case in Howell, Michigan, and the guy that w- decided that he didn't want us to do the binding, he decided, I want to get my life together, you know, and all this stuff. And I said, okay. I mean, I can't force you to, you know, co- you know, uh, work with us. And at the time, we didn't know the name of the demon. And so that ended the call. And uh, and then I had my uh, partner I used to work with, Steve, and he contacted me and he says, uh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm. What do you mean? I said, I just got the phone with uh, this guy and. He's not going to do the bind. He says, "Well, I, I can hear the demon." And he's laughing and he's he's bragging. And he says, "I got total control of this guy, and there's not a damn thing he can do about it." And he, and I said, "Well, that makes sense." So I decided I'm going to text this guy back and just tell him what's going to happen. And let him know. Yeah. If you're acceptable of that, that's cool. So I I, I did that, and uh, it was a few minutes. He texts me back and said, "Well, you know, uh, I think I'm going to do it." So yeah, let's let's continue on with the plans. It was, it was seconds, just seconds. And I had uh, our dog on my lap and I was sitting by this window and there's a, there's a porch out there. And I heard all this racket on the porch. It was nighttime. And something came through that window. The dog shot off and I was attacked by this thing. And it was like equivalent to like that Tasmanian devil in the Bugs Bunny cartoons, the Warner Brother cartoons. And, um, and then it was gone as quick as it had come. And then that, again, was at least 80 miles away where it originated from.
0: Yeah, and animals
1: are not your protectors. <laughs> they get scared no. of demons. and that dog, <laughs> no that dog would not get near me for hours and it avoided that part of the living area for about three to four weeks before it felt you know, okay to to, to to go there. So, I mean, my lesson learned is the dog takes ducks for cover, I'm going to duck for cover. <laughs> that's and great. then that's when he came home and you could see... How, yeah, I could feel all the energy. Yeah, yeah. I was all tore up. I had
0: scratches all over me. And But uh, since then, we've, we've learned ways to protect ourselves. And yes. We'll, protect we'll talk about those in future shows going through, forward. So yeah, a demon too.
1: can go anywhere in the world. And like when I'm doing a binding, I do not have to be in a person's house. I can be anywhere. So I could be in uh, Tibet and call a demon in from uh, Detroit. And it will be there in, in seconds. So that's how they travel. Yeah. Well, during the COVID,
0: you know, it was really tough for us to have to travel. So we were successful with our Doing it remotely, yeah. Remotely, yes. Yeah.
1: Once we have the names, I can call them in from anywhere. Yeah.
0: So what do you tell someone who says that the demons are back? Let's say you've bound some demons and then, um, you know, you wait a few days and you call back and they go, oh, they're back. Or, you know, they haven't left or, you know.
1: Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, people are not that observant and they're not really... Yeah, well, basically not observant enough to know any kind of differences. And, uh, and uh, demons do have personalities and they do things a little differently. I mean, it might be close enough that you can't distinguish that. But the thing is, is that demons travel in gangs with the exception of the sex demons. So let's say you have 10 demons this person's dealing with. So I only have names of eight of them and I don't know there's 10. Maybe I only think there's eight and that's what I have. So I get rid of those eight. So we always do a follow up and the reason why is because you know a couple days later, a couple hours later, it starts up again so they think, oh, it didn't work, they didn't get rid of them and that's not the case. It's actually those other demons now are now starting up and continuing on where the others had left off as usually it works. And if there's they do have a hierarchy as far as a boss and they fight over those positions, and if there's any kind of delay, like a several days or something, that's due because they haven't established who the leader is. They're fighting among themselves to get to that point.
0: And sometimes after um, uh, demons are taken out, the ghosts get a little more active. If they have, if there's
1: ghosts there, I mean, ghosts were human at one time, so they harass the ghosts just as much as uh, humans, and they suppress them and oppress them. And so, yeah, there's ghosts there and uh, they get rid of them. If you remember this last case we did, uh, the house had uh, a bunch of demons in it. Yeah, it and it. it also was a haunted home as well. And the ghosts were pleading with you, get rid of the right. demons, get rid of the demons. You know, they're very
0: much yeah. aware of them. Get them, get them out of here. So get they them can party. Here, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to party. They weren't letting them party. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so... Oh, Talk about residual energy uh, that's left.
1: Well, you know, demons are energy, and so they do leave um, that energy in the environment. And that's why I always tell people, once everything is uh, bound and we're satisfied we got everything, they need to sage the environment to get rid of that funk because a person that's especially sensitive they may interpret that, that demon funk, that energy as actually still a demon there when it's really not. So it's always good to just to cleanse the house, to cleanse yourself and then take a look and see, you know, what's what's really going on. So,
0: and we do have an aftercare plan that we ask yeah. people to do as yeah, well. They, so. they
1: need to follow those things and uh, sometimes they don't follow what we let them do, but that's their, their choice. <laughs> Prerogative, yeah. That's their choice. Yeah,
0: yeah. So do you have someone or, any of your clients that have multiple, I mean, like more, I mean, like they just, they're just like repeat offenders, so to speak?
1: Yeah, there are people that have uh, affinity to bring in demons. Um, uh, some of it is uh, just their mental state makes them vulnerable. Uh, people that are, um, you know, a lot of addiction and that will can also help, you know, bring them in. So I can go in and say, Let's say they have 10 demons and we take all 10 demons out and everything's great. But because of the way they are, for whatever reason, and some people just call them in, more come in. So now you gotta go back and take care of those. So yeah, there's people that are repeaters. Don't you ever feel like you just don't wanna help these people anymore or? No, my job's to take out demons and I have taken out demons and people that haven't even known it. They had no idea what was going on, it was detected. I uh, had their names, so I take the demons out. They don't know it even happened. And the longer you're around demons, the
0: the more you get to be able to come up with the names. I mean, you call me the demon dowser because I come up with the names, but you come up with names as well. So um, again, the psychometry of it uh, yeah. is because you know we're around it more. And so you come up with names. And let's talk about the names for a, a minute. Um, you know... On the internet there is a list of you know all the popular demons
1: so do you run into all those in no, the demon no, world not, not at all they're not going to use names that are popular they use names of the culture they usually take on the cultural names um, they um, or you can even uh, uh, take on an inanimate object as a name they make names up as well so yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of all over the board, but usually it's somewhat in the culture. Because when I'm dealing with like Asian demons, and what I mean by that is just demons that are taking on the Asian culture because they match the culture and they speak the language. They usually have Chinese names, and some of these names are quite long, which isn't <laughs> yes. very good when you call them in, when you call them in to bind them and they're in there with you and you're trying to say this, their whole Huge name, name yeah. why they're beating on you, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not not good that good. Well, Joe,
0: we are, this is only our first part. The second part, we're going to talk about ghosts and some suicide and, um, how demons are associated with it. So we'll see you next time. All right.